Wine, Food, Talk. NapaBroadcasting.com. Welcome back to Napa Broadcasting. You know, I spend hours on this program talking about land use, about marketing, vineyard development, wine industry, public policy. Very rarely do we get to actually talk about wine and wine itself. And uh, given that it's harvest season, it seems an ideal time to do that. And to do it, we're joined right now by Bruce Cakebread. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Cakebread Cellars. Bruce, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it's nice to be here. It's great to have you here. Uh, It does seem sometimes that those of us that live here in the area think about everything else but the wine sometimes. We kind of lose sight of what's at the core of all of this. Yeah, uh, there is always a lot of debate going around it, and uh, it's always nice to talk about it. Talk a little bit about what's going on there at Cake Bread right now at this time of year. Well, uh, we've got a couple of things going. Is uh, We started, you know, harvest uh, in early August with Sauvignon Blanc and uh, easily moved through Chardonnay. Uh, not too many packed days. It's been a nice, even, steady harvest so far, and we've uh, finished up Pinot Noir and now we're in the midst of Merlot and kind of expecting to move into Cabernet um, uh, a little bit tomorrow and then full, full throttle in uh, next week. So if all things go well, hopefully by the second or third week in October, we'll, we'll finish up. Talk a little bit about what makes each year different. What's unique every year as this process unfolds? Yeah, that's the exciting thing, I think, uh, about winemaking is uh, each year it's a new deck. You know, and so what happened last year doesn't really apply to this year. Sometimes people, you know, farm or make wine from, well, that happened last year. We try and look at it uh, from a clean slate and saying, what's the the vintage, what's Mother Nature giving us? Uh, Starting all the way back in the spring, you know, wet spring or dry spring, warm or cold, how early the bloom was, uh, you know, and that's going to kind of tell you if it's going to be an early or later harvest. Then we kind of watch the how the season's gone. You know, do we get the how's the hot spells? How long do they last? And then you know, August. This August has been fairly mild, and so we think that plays into our wheelhouse of uh, having nice, elegant wines. And so we're pretty happy with the the sixteen vintage. But basically, Mother Nature is uh, calling the shots, and we're just trying to uh, adapt to what uh, the weather brings us. What concerns are there within the industry that, that you might have personally or within the industry itself that you hear in terms of, of climate change and the way uh, the seasons are, are a little bit different these days? You know, uh, we take climate change very seriously. And as we start to replant some of our vineyards that are you know 25 to 30 years old now, because we replanted a lot in the late 80s and early 90s because of phylloxera. And so now the, some of those vineyards are getting mature. And we're starting to replant, and um, we're looking at uh, row direction, uh, changing that a little bit uh, so that maybe if we get some hot days that uh, we won't have that heat on the fruit as much and maybe more on the top of the vine. We're looking at uh, um, irrigation management. Instead of just putting one drip tube out there, we'll put two uh, so if we need to adapt, like if it gets those dry, uh, you know, September days or the humidity drops to nothing, maybe we can add misters to uh, the canopy to kind of keep the, the humidity up in the canopy so we don't get as much uh, dehydration in the fruit. Uh, we're looking at um, uh, kind of different areas to, to plant, uh, you know, 
maybe Cabernet and a little bit of south end of the valley might be interesting as you know as, if things warm up. When you're looking at climate change, you have to plan for what a normal harvest would be, and then you get those, hey, we've never seen this type of weather before. So you have to kind of plan both ways, so it's keeping everybody on their toes. Has there ever been another period that you've seen like this where there's as much uncertainty about what, what uh, the climate's going to be like from year to year? Well, in the early days for us, because we started back in 73, we had the 76, uh, 77 drought years, uh, you know, and so I, th- I think with my memory surgery, we had like nine or 11 inches of rain uh, in those two winters there. And so it was, um, uh, you know, that was a kind of an early indicator that, you know, the weather's going to change in 1979. It rained during the Cabernet harvest, and so you're kind of like, wow, these are, you know, some of our first vintages. We went from drought to uh, wet Octobers all within about five years, and so that kind of gave us an early indication that, you know, you have to be kind of on your toes and watching Mother Nature all the time. Talk a little bit about what the Napa Valley Cachet still means it's really exciting. You know, we're blessed with uh, the valley itself in terms of, you know, the soils uh, with our two mountain ranges, the Mayakamas and the Baca, giving us kind of this diversity of soils uh, within three miles across the valley. And then you have what I think are these alluvial fans uh, on the valley floor where, you know, great Cabernet can be grown. What's kind of fun uh, the goes through our property here in Rutherford is we have a a ditch that's kind of an angle. It takes a a 90-degree turn and makes it down to the river, but this this ditch starts way back up in the hills. And so my impression is this ditch was built, dug back in like the late 1800s because they're, you know, trying to get the valley uh, drained so they could, you know, plant agriculture to it and so these ditches have been there you know for almost 100 100 plus years and so it's pretty interesting to see that and then how those soils have kind of dropped out uh, just on our 65 acres around the winery you know we have some well-drained gravelly soils to some heavier soils and the heavier soils we plant Sauvignon Blanc and the well-drained soils we plant Cabernet and so you have unique soils and then from there you know of course we all know our climate of warm days cool nights allows for that and then can, to me what makes Napa special is the balance between a thriving agriculture uh, you know beautiful landscapes you know the hills are tremendous and then uh, kind of um, thriving cities and so it's a balance of those three that I think also makes Napa special to produce wines to be able to get the word out but then also have people come and visit us. Right and what are you seeing in terms of the competition in terms of other wine regions and there are so many these days and you know they're all getting a little better at it talk about what you see out there. Well when you look at competition if you bring it just back in Napa you know so we have like 500 wineries 500 plus wineries here now and so, to me, Napa Valley is making the best wines that it ever has over the last 150 years. The reason why I say that is, you know, in the early days, we had Andre Chelichev, and people would go to him to ask questions, or you'd go to Bordeaux to see what they're doing and can apply back here. But over this, these last 50 years, you know, we've got a group of winemakers that have experience, have been trained out of UC Davis in viticulture and enology, so they have good skills, plus they've all grown up here in Napa Valley, and so they know uh, Napa, uh, Napa Valley, you know, like the back of their hand. And then 
in this time frame now the vineyards have been replanted because of phloxer and so we have uh vines that are you know in that 10 15 25 year old range so we have mature vines and so that experience mature vines uh is a nice combination and pretty much every day someone's you know putting their stake in the ground and say I want to make wine in Napa Valley. So you have people bringing new ideas into Napa Valley. And so it's that uh, combination of that historical experience of winemakers, new ideas coming in, makes it for Napa Valley having kind of the best of both worlds of always improving on what it's done. And so right now we're making the best wines that we've, we've ever been made out of Napa. That helps us compete against the other wine growing regions in the world because uh, it is a very competitive marketplace out there. Uh, and wines, you know, just in general have gotten better across the board. And so that it's, it's on us in Napa Valley to kind of build on the foundation that we've been given, you know, in the 60s and 70s and 80s to continue that momentum to uh, keep Napa at the top. Talk a little bit about the visitors and how important that is as a marketing component today. And so, um, you know, when we first started out uh, back in the 70s, uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, wholesalers, small wholesalers um, uh, throughout all the U.S., and there's fewer wineries. Now today that's changed. So through consolidation of the wholesalers, distribution there's only a few big guys that are kind of handling all the wine but there's a lot more wineries today you know there's thousands of them and so you have you see that dynamic change over the last 40 years and so it's harder to get your your wine into the marketplace uh across the the u.s and so uh with that you see people also traveling around wanting to experience Napa Valley and learn more about the wines, learn more about the region, enjoy the region. And so you have visitors coming. We look at it as an opportunity to educate our customers about our wine. And so whether they buy it here or they buy it at home, uh, what we want them to do is enjoy our wines and be able to have that kind of component. It's like, oh, this is, this is what went into making your wine. So we look at it as kind of a, a very educational way to uh, talk about our wines in a, and also in a fun way uh, so that we can kind of teach them how to enjoy our wines when they go home with their neighbors or their friends. And wine clubs, how important are they? So wine clubs are allow us to uh, uh, in, be able to kind of reach out to our best customers and uh, be able to uh, not only just have them say, well, here's some wine, and you figure out how to open it, but here's some wine and here's how we're going to enjoy it with uh, a good meal or here's how our Sabian Blanc goes with this food and be able to kind of um, demonstrate how they can enhance their experience with the uh, wines even more. Uh, we'll take the, the club, you know, when the Giants played the Red Sox, unfortunately they lost back in Boston, the club will go back and, you know, you get to experience the baseball game have some good wines and meet some new friends because everyone has that commonality there of, you know, enjoying good wines, good foods, and having a kind of an experience. And so it's just not all about wine, but it's also enjoying wine and different, different venues or different experiences there. So clubs are very important, but it's a way for whether it's small winery or large winery 
to be able to uh, interact directly with some of your best customers. We think it's kind of important. What are you seeing, Bruce, in terms of millennials that are visiting Cake Bread, and, and how are they adapting to wine? You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, I have two kids uh, who are in their mid-20s now, and so they enjoy wine. And I think back when I was in my mid-20s, and probably they enjoy wine more than I do I did back then. And so they've kind of grown up with their parents enjoying wine at the, the dinner table and so they're kind of uh, uh, already introduced to the concept of wine and how to enjoy it with good food and good friends. And that's where I think they have uh, just a little bit more knowledge than uh, back in the 70s when people were just learning about wine and how it tastes and you know everything there is to know about it. I think this younger generation has more knowledge and then they can also access more knowledge uh, easier than, uh, you know, how we could back in the 70s. So it's exciting time to see them explore different regions, uh, understanding, you know, uh, what goes into these wines and that it's kind of authentic, I think, is kind of one of the key components for attracting any consumer, uh, you know, whatever generation. I think they want good, authentic high-quality wines. And talk a little bit about Cake Bread, about its history and how it's doing today. Yeah, so uh, my parents, Jack and Dolores, started the winery back in 1973. Uh, where we are today, right between Oakville and Rutherford on Highway 29, uh, my grandparents' good friends, the Sturvents, moved up here in the 50s. And so, you know, they had uh, a cattle ranch out on Greenfield Road, uh, they're raising cattle. Uh, you know, the neighbors, uh, the Evensons, had they're raising chickens, uh, walnuts. They had old grapes that, you know, Sauvignon Verde varieties that we don't hear about anymore. Uh, you know, and they're picking it into, sending it to the co-op, and it'd go, you know, into white or red uh, wine there. And so they wanted to retire from the ranching, and so my parents bought it from them. They lived in the original house until they both passed on and we just took over the the operation side of the vineyards we started in 73 with four barrels of of chardonnay from trefethen vineyards because they had started back in 68 and uh, about that same time i was getting out of uh, high school and studied pomology down at cal poly uh, that's tree fruits and transferred up to davis to see if this wine gig would uh, work out and then uh, took a winemaking in 79. Again, we were making a very small amount. And so my father would go out and travel, uh, introducing uh, our wines and Napa Valley wines around the U.S. with some of the other early pioneers and founders uh, in the industry at the time. And I'd make it. And then my mother and grandmother run the garage because the garage helped support the winery for the first 10 years. In the middle uh, 90s, uh, my uh, middle brother Dennis came on board, started in finance, and now he's responsible for all our sales and uh, marketing uh, in the, uh, North America. Bruce Cakebread, he's the president and chief operating officer of Cakebread Sellers. Bruce, I thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.